Uh, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. And while we're turning there, I just want to thank God for delivering me, for giving me salvation, for giving me a purpose and an identity because at one time I didn't have purpose. At one time I didn't know, you know, who God wanted me to be or what I should even be myself. But God, he changed it all and he delivered me. So we're going to, you know, within this next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to go through the first book of Thessalonians. This is a, an epistle or it's an epistle written by Paul, the apostle to the church of Thessalonica. And there was something unique about this church. They weren't a church that uh, had it all together, but they were a hungry church and they were a new church. And I, I feel like they really apply to our church. Amen. So in First Thessalonians, we're going to get ready. We're going to just read the first four verses. The word of God says like this. This letter is from Paul, Silas and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica. To you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you in this place, God, and we ask, Lord, that you would be in full control right now, my God. We, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our minds, our attention, my God. We come against any distractions, whether it be mentally, emotionally, my God, spiritually, Lord. And we pray, God, that your word will come forward with the anointing that it already has, God. Let me simply be your, your mouthpiece, Lord, as, as your word speaks tonight, God, to the hearts, my God, to the minds, your sons and daughters, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the honor and glory. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen and amen. I want to share with you guys a message entitled The Model Church. The Model Church. And again, no church is perfect. We all know that. Some of you guys have been to some churches and, and you could remember all the reasons why you didn't like that church. Some churches keep a standard. And the church of Thessalonica was one of these churches that, that they had a standard. Amen. They had a, they had a, a, a certain level that they operated at. And, and they, were, they were people that were faithful at, at operating at that level. You know, one thing that we can say about our pastor and the church that he raised up in Victory Outreach East Phoenix is that we were a church of quality. We came from the hood. But we didn't have a hood church. You went to our church and it was high quality. There was a standard of the way that the stage looked and the, the equipment that we used and the, the events that we would throw, man. How many guys remember setting up, preparing, man, all the all the stuff that we would have to prepare and, and the food, the way that it would be served and the way that we were servants, hospitable, right? There was a level of quality that, that our pastor was, was good at, at keeping. Four times in this letter, the Apostle Paul commends the church and is grateful for their modelship. Amen. And you think of the word modeling, we're not talking about, you know, for a magazine or for a photo shoot. No, we're talking about modeling when, when you live by example, when you live by influence. And we're going to look at the ingredients of the church so that we may apply these to ourselves. You know, as, as we look at these different uh, characteristics that the Apostle Paul had, had drilled into the church, we ourselves as a people, Victory Home, Victory Hub, Victory Outreach, East Phoenix, soon to be North Phoenix, we need to internalize these different characteristics. The first one is that they were the elect. They were the elect. The word church here means a called out people. In the book of Acts chapter 15, 13 through 18, the Bible says, when they had finished, 
James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take them from to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted, as it is written, Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, he who made these things known so long ago. So they were a called out people. How many of you know that? You've been called today. There's a calling upon your life. There's a reason why you didn't die that night. There's a reason why you didn't throw it all away when you had the opportunity to. There's a reason why through everything that we've been through, we're still here. We're in church, that we're saved, that we're delivered. There's a reason for all of that. God is calling all people, but not all are willing to answer the call, right? Some of us, we almost were ready to throw it away. We're like, man, it's, it's, it's too hard to serve God. I'd I rather, I rather just live in the world. I'd rather just be an average person, amen? But that's not why God called us. What does that mean? That the reason you woke up this morning, there's more purpose to your life than, than we even imagined. There's more reason for us remaining than, than we could even think and, and fathom. You know how many missed calls God has made? Like, like, have you ever called somebody and you get mad because they don't pick up? Like, I know, I know your phone's on. You just posted something online right now. I know you're on your phone. You get mad, right? Like, come on, pick up, pick up. Texting. Try calling from another number. Come on, some of y'all. But, man, you know, it's like, can you imagine trying to call somebody and, and they just don't, they don't answer? And I, I could just imagine how burdened the heart of God is when he's calling us and he's calling us. And, and after we backslide and relapse, come back. We backslide, relapse, and come back. Like, I wonder... I just wonder how, how much it hurts his heart. Because even as, as leaders, and I, I know that Sister Myra can, can agree, man, when we see men and women coming in and out of the home, you know, at, at some time we're like, man, come on, just like, it has to click. The light bulb has to turn on already. Like, 10 times, brother? 15 times, sister? Come on now. Get it together. Like, get it. How many more times do you got to go and find out that, that there ain't nothing out there for you? That that ain't the right guy. That ain't the right woman. That ain't, the job ain't going to do it. The money ain't going to do it. People fall to confusion or even fear. Here's the thing about election. It revolves around salvation, all right? It involves God. In, in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, the Bible says, As for us, we can't help but to thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that come through the Spirit, who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. We're made holy through the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we, we allow the Lord to move in us, you know, we're, we're convicted and we're challenged. And that's why you find yourselves in situations, you know, like I know, I know everybody coming in now and, and establishing structure. In other words, leaders, some of us are like, man, I don't feel like listening to that person. Who do they think they are to tell me what to do? You know, well, they, they go, they're coming into my home. And they want to tell me what to do. You know what God's doing? He's humbling you. Sisters, he's doing the work in you. Maybe some of you were, were timid and some of you were, were, were not bold. But, man, God's going to bring that in you. He's going to say, no, I've given you authority. Man, I've given you power. You operate in that. You, you function in that. You, you move forward in that. God's telling us today we have a certain power that only comes from him. Whenever we find ourselves in fear, whenever we find ourselves intimidated or, or even oppressed, Man, we step out in boldness. I know my God is with me. I love the story of David and Goliath because when he was going out there and all these other guys are on the sideline and they're all big and, and they've, they've been through wars, they've been through fights, but all of a sudden this big giant comes and he starts barking noise and they're all quiet. They're all quiet. 
Have you ever, you ever been in the hood and, 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 you know, you see some hood stuff, right? Another, another hood comes and they're talking about, West Side, what's up, fool? And the other guys are all quiet. You're like, oh, what you guys going to say nothing, brother? You going to let them come and just talk to you like that? Goliath was banging. He's like, what's up? Which one of you guys want to want to get this? Who wants to come and get some? And they're all just quiet, putting their weapons down. You know what? I got to. My wrist hurts right now. I would have stepped in there. I would have. I was working all day. I would have been in there. And then here comes David. And David's like, "What? What's, what are you talking? You talking about me, bro? You talking about my hood? Let's go. I know my God is with me. I don't fear you. I'm not afraid of you. Matter of fact, watch what I do when I when I come at you. All I need is this little rock. I don't even got no armor on right now. This big old giant has somebody holding the shield for him. I'm by myself because I've got God. And when we find ourselves facing whatever giant it is, that's the type of mentality. That's the type of boldness, man. You know, we came from rough lifestyles. We came from survival. All of a sudden, we get into the spiritual fights and, and we're scared. I don't want to humble myself, though. I don't want to be generous, though. I don't want to. I don't want to be a person that that feels for other people i don't want to pray for that other person man that's that giant just just choking you right there we got to have some some courage election involves god we know that god is with us he's chosen us the plan of salvation started in the heart of god before the universe or we were even created you know that god didn't initially create hell for people he didn't create hell that that he would be like all right well they're either gonna go to one or the other no, he created hell for the devil. When, when, when Satan rebelled, when Satan was found with pride, and then, and then all those angels that rolled with them. Oh, oh you guys, you guys want to go against me too? Okay, well, I got a place for you too. And then as man began and, and, and we, we began to sin, God, God gave us the, the choice of what? Free will. Choose what you want. You, you have the freedom to decide how you want to live and who you want to serve, but there's only two destinations depending on who you serve. But he didn't create hell with like the mentality of like, all right, well, if they don't serve me, then forget them. There they go. No, he created us that we would worship him, that he would love us, and, and that we would have eternity to spend with the Lord. Election involves God. It also involves his love. When we hear Paul use beloved, right, in Victor Outreach, that's part of our lingo. You could be at Safeway, you could be at, at Walmart, and you hear somebody say, hey, beloved, don't forget the toilet paper. You're like, oh, that's the old person right there. Were you in the home? You were, were you at the church? Do you know Pastor Sam? Do you know Pastor Tony? You know that's a VO person. But when, when Paul uses the word beloved, it is not only coming from him as person, but it comes from God as our Savior. We're saved through the love and the grace of God. God's grace gives us what we don't deserve, and his mercy saves us from what we do deserve. Ain't that something? How many of us could have used some grace and mercy in court? I know I got caught. I know, I know you got evidence on me. Right. I know what I deserve, but come on, please judge. Well, this will be the last time. I know I said it five times already, but I promise. How many of you guys still know a judge by name? Yeah. Judge McGregor. Oh, Lord Jesus. Touch his soul, God. Acuna again. I'm like, oh, man. Why you got to call me out like that? <laughs> Hate it going to court. Another thing that election involves is it involves faith. By grace, we are saved through what? Faith. faith. Ephesians 2.8. Paul and Timothy brought the gospel to Thessalonica, and they were used by the Holy Spirit. We're about to go to a new territory in North Phoenix, and we're about to be used by the Holy Spirit. God's going to do a work in you. He's going to pour his spirit into you, and he's going to allow you to be a witness, man. We're going to get back to the streets this week, Victory Homes, because I'm tired of us not having the ability to evangelize. How many of you guys missed that? Going out there and just witnessing the people, reaching people, evangelizing the people, man. 
go out and let the people know about Jesus. Because when we begin to let people know, you know, we, we, we begin to humble because it's no longer about us. We go back and we see people drunk and, 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 and high out of their minds. And it reminds us like, man, it really ain't so bad. Life isn't as hard as I, I make it out to be. You know, it isn't as bad as I, I, I keep envisioning it. When we begin to pray for people, God begins to place a deeper burden upon our heart that, man, this is bigger than us. Man, uh, you know, that, that, that just dwells in my mind that pastor's last thought before he, he died was that, like, man, this is bigger than me as a man. This is bigger than me as, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a family member, you know, as a friend to people. What I'm doing is bigger than me. And, and here we are today, the fulfillment of that vision. Here we are today, the extension of that legacy to continue to reach people. It also involves the three in one. Through this, this book of Thessalonica, we will see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operating together so that they get the glory and not men. It, it wasn't us that, that, that established this home. It wasn't us that built this church. It was God. God operating through his faithful servants. God the Father chose us to be saved in Jesus the Son. And the Holy Spirit confirms that we are children of God. That we are the elect. Whoever God chooses, he changes. We talked about that this morning in the message. You know that if God were to come down right now. And, and he were to say, go ahead, go ahead, Stephen. Just take a seat and let me speak. We'd all be out of attention. We'd all be listening. Silent. And, and we'd be like attentive. Not like some of us right now that we're thinking like, man, what are we going to have for breakfast tomorrow? Who, man, what's, gonna, what's work going to be like tomorrow? You know, man, is, is the laundry room, is tomorrow my laundry day tomorrow? Let's, let's get to the schedule already, brother Steve. No, man, like if God was here, we'd be focused. We, we'd be attentive. Like, God, you speak, pour into me, God. We forget that, that he's omnipresent, that he's, he's, he knows everything, he sees everything, and he's everywhere. Faith, hope, and love are the evidence of transformation in our lives. Faith needs to be developed. It's a muscle that needs to be strengthened and exercised daily. You know, you, you, never, you never know how much faith you got until you just do it. I didn't know I had the faith that I had until I said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the church. Million dollar property, I'm broke as heck, got bad credit. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Why not? Faith, man. I, don't, I know I don't, God, I don't know how God's going to show up, man. I'm just like, man, please, Lord, don't let me be the, the wannabe pastor that thought he was going to buy this property. And then here I am working back at Circle K or something like that. <laughs> Well, aren't you that guy that was going to be the pastor that one time? Well, I mean, look, bro, what are you buying, bro? Just hurry up. Just get out of here. Love keeps us obedient. It keeps us grateful. It keeps us devoted. Devoted to God. It's got to be a true devotion. Amen. Hope allows us to know that Jesus is coming back. That he will come back. He's going to collect this church. Let's look at the second point as we continue. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians again, chapter 1. And this time we're going to read 5 through 7. The word of God says this. For when we brought to you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought to you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example on, to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. Number two is that they were exemplary people. Exemplary. E-X-E-M-P-L-R-Y. Some of you guys are like E-K-S. Lurie. <laughs> Exemplary. Come on, I know, guys. I was right there with you guys. 
but exemplary. In other words, man, they were an example. We talked about modelship, now we're talking about exampleship. They were an example. Paul said, as, as you follow Christ and you follow us. For us, we were following God and we were following Pastor Sam, right? How many of us knew that, that Pastor Sam wasn't about it? How many of us could say, man, Pastor Sam, he was just playing the part? Nobody. Why? Because he was about it. He lived that life. He, he, what he preached on the pulpit, if you were to hang out with him outside of the church, same man, same word, same vision, same heart, same devotion. In the middle of his kids, if, if we had a problem, we could say, hey, pastor, can I talk to you real quick? All right, let's go outside. And he would make that time for us because he was willing to sacrifice everything so that he would see a people who weren't become somebody. They received the word. You know, to receive the word, do you, do you receive the word? When you read the Bible, are, are you receiving it? Or are you trying to customize it? You know, uh, the Bible says that if, if I even hate in my heart that I've already committed murder. Like, no, I don't receive that. I'm only just hating on them because I can't stand them. <laughs> no, the Bible says if you even can't stand them, you're already planning to murder that person. If, if you even lust with your eyes, you've already committed adultery. I'm, I'm just looking at the menu. I'm just checking it out real quick. No, brother, you are cochino and sucia. Come on, man. Quit that stuff. Stop it. You're, you're, you're adulterous to the Lord. If you're single today, you're married to Jesus. That's it. When you get married, you're still married to Jesus. Come on now. They followed their spiritual leaders. This church followed their spiritual leaders. Paul said, as you follow God and you follow me. He had a church that, that they, they fell under the leadership. They suffered for Christ. You know, as, as we come to God, doesn't life get harder? We're sober. Oh, man. Some of us are like, that's the worst part. Yeah. Want to go down and get a 40 right now? Go spark one up right now. Go line one. Come on, bring it back, everybody. Bring it back. But suffering for Christ, that means putting our own desires aside. That means putting our own ways aside and beginning to follow a life of, of, of the narrow path, a life of righteousness, man, a life that, that is full of conviction. They encouraged other churches. Right now, you know, we, we just got out of a leadership training, and, and you know, we're just little old East Phoenix over here, and there's a, there's a big church on the west side, and, and they're like, man, you guys are inspiring us. We want to buy a new property now. We're going to help you guys to get your property. But after that, man, we're going for a $300,000 property. Amen. Like, man, you know, how can, how can God use a church to encourage and inspire other churches? It's because of the faith of the people. It's because of the devotion of the people, the exemplary walk of the people. These Thessalonians were known for their great faith because they turned from their idols and put their lives in the hands of Christ Jesus. Who's got a testimony here right now? Everybody got a testimony. Don't be afraid. Come on not gonna call you out because one day we're gonna be able to testify and say man you know you don't know how bad I was I, I got a brother in a home that was addicted to drugs for almost 40 years I'm like man that's, that's longer than me that's longer than my life but one day he's gonna be able to testify and say man for 40 years I was bound by addiction and God set me free that opens eyes that that begins to to draw ears what did he say how long where did he go to? What, what rehab was it? It wasn't rehab. It was a victory home, man. It wasn't no program. It wasn't no other step program. And it was Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to encourage other churches. You know how many people are out there that have also been using for that long that don't have an answer, that they don't know what the solution is? Here we are. We have the remedy of God. We have the remedy of revival. We have the remedy of the Holy Spirit that can turn somebody's life from, from hell, to hell to life. The work that they put in made them exemplary. And it also made them enthusiastic because they ate, breathed, and lived the gospel. That leads me to the third point tonight. They were enthusiastic people. Enthusiastic. In 1 Thessalonians 1, I want to read the next verse, verse 8. 
And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. As, as Paul was going to other nations and, and he was planting churches in other cities, they would be like, hey, man, aren't you the, aren't you the, the one that started that church in, in Thessalonica? Like, man, we heard that church is on fire. We heard that, that God's really moving in people over there, that, that, that the demon-possessed are being set free, that the lame are walking, that the deaf are hearing, that the blind are seeing, that, that, man, you guys are really seeing some miracles taking place. Paul's like, man, I came to tell you about my church, and you're telling me about my church. That's enthusiasm right there. That's like, man, there's something about this church, and it's going to be known when we go over there to North Phoenix. Wait a second. Weren't you guys at East Phoenix Church? Weren't you guys the ones under Pastor Sam? Weren't you guys the ones that, man, your pastor died and your church kept moving? It didn't stop you. It didn't, it didn't pause you. We're going to be known. They were receivers and transmitters of the word of God. Amen. And, and we really got to take that. We got to take that seriously, men's home and women's home. It's not just about hearing it and, and throwing a couple of hallelujahs and, and saying amen, man. It's about living it. That, that when we leave this sanctuary, that we're applying it. Let me be a person of exampleship. Let me be a person of enthusiasm. Let me know that I'm elect, meaning I know that God has called me. They, they, they sound it out, meaning like the sounding of a trumpet, the fulfillment of the Great Commission. They did what they were called to do. Are we willing to do that ourselves? Election and evangelism are hand in hand. When we are called, it comes with a marching order. When God saved you, he said, you're not going to just work at a supermarket. You're not just going to sell shoes for the rest of your life. No, I've called you to reach other people. I've called you to be an example. I've called you to be a light in darkness. After boot camp, we waited for our orders. When I was in the military and we completed the boot camp, we all waited for that piece of paper to come that was going to tell us what our next marching order was going to be, where we were going to get sent, what our job was going to be. And that's where we're at right now, home. When you get to that place, and like I said, we're going we're gonna to start to do tracks with those of you do that that are nine months or over to, to help. That, that We want you to go where God has called you to go. We have people in the church right now that didn't go through the home, and, and they're in different positions, and they come and they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this no more. You know, and it's, it's not that it's, it's God that's a problem. It's not that it's church that's the problem. It's because they're not operating where God has them to be. And you're going to see that in ministry. You're going to find that serving God, that man. You know, sometimes you're going you're gonna to start doing stuff and, and you're going to start to put in work for God. But you, you didn't listen to his voice and you just kind of stepped ahead of him. But don't let that discourage you. It happens often. I, that happened to me. You know, I was, I was trying ministries out, man. Like, like I was, you know, going through different teams or something. I was like, all right, well, I didn't work with the Raiders. Let me try with the Cowboys. Oh, that didn't work. Let me go over here to the 49ers. I'm trying to find my team, man. And then here we come, victory home. There it is, brother. There, there's your spot. There's where you're going to be used. There's where God's going to shine through you. And you gotta, you're you going to have to find that out, amen, as well. After the home, what will your orders be? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 6, 9 through 11, the Bible says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God. 
by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God, we need to be on fire for God. This is the revival that, that this whole month we're going to drill it in. You got to get that fire. You know, in the Old Testament, I was talking about the tabernacle this morning. They had to they had to keep the lamp burning. That lamp represented the spirit of God, the fire of God. And some of us, man, you know, we wait. We'll, we'll let that fire burn out. And we're like, I'll just I'll just wait till next Sunday. I'll just wait till he preaches that next revival message. I'll wait till they speak again, and, and then I'll get on fire. You know, those, those priests that were in the tabernacle, it was their duty. They, they would die if they didn't keep that lamp burning. That, that's how important their job was. That if that lamp, if, if someone would come in and the lamp wasn't burning, they're like, man, who, who's, on, who's on duty tonight? Oh, Jeff, Tom, and Jose. Oh, man, you guys are dead, bro. Let's, let's get some new guys in here that are going to keep that fire burning. Let's get some guys in here that really have some passion. Let's get some guys in here that are really dedicated because this isn't a game. We need to be on fire for God. And then the last thing, as we get ready to close, is they were expectant people. They were expecting. They expected something. First Thessalonians 1, as we read the last verses for tonight, 9 and 10. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. The last point that we're going to focus on was on their patience as they were expectant in Jesus Christ. You know, uh, for the sisters, they can, they can kind of relate to this better, that have had babies. You know, when, when, when you're pregnant, you're waiting. It's not going to happen in one month. It's not going to happen in three months. It's not even going to happen in six months. We had babies that they wanted to come out early. Little Stevie came out a month early. Baby girl came out two months early. She's like, I ain't got time for all of this. I'm out of here. But, man, when you're expecting, it's going to take time. Some of you that are fathers, you know, you, you remember when you were with baby mama and, and you were like, man, come on. You know, when, when's this going to end? Because for men, sometimes we act like we're the worst one in that situation. Oh, she's always tripping on me. She's always, I don't got time to go to the, the store at 3 in the morning to go get some Cheetos and pickles. What's wrong with you, girl? You, you smoking weed? Got these munchies out of nowhere. And we're like, man, we're expecting. We're expecting for the child to be born. And we're, but, you know, it's, it's a labor pangs, what the Bible calls it, that there's labor pangs in the midst of the pregnancy. But when the birth comes, you, you find out how, how much it was worth it. All, all the stress and all the pain and all the frustration just goes right out the window when you hold that baby when you hold that, that preciousness in your hand. And see, that's the thing about being expecting in God. Right now you're in the home, and it's, it's horrible. Some of you guys are like, oh, man, when's this, when's this pandemic going to be over? That's the only reason I'm here, because I can't go nowhere. This damn coronavirus got me stuck. <laughs> Come on now. But, man, like if, if you just stick it out and, and, and you, you stay expecting in God, know that he's going to come and he's going to give you. He's going to give you your breakthrough. Your miracle's going to take place. Your promise is on its way. Right. Your favor's on its way. And, and when you finally see it and, and you see how precious it is, you know, me and my wife, man, to, to be doing what we're doing today, th this is like, like having a baby. We're like, man, we're, 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 we're this loved by God. He trusts us this much. Man, we went from, you know, being entrusted with, what, 15 guys, you know, however many women, and, and now, now operating into a church that pastor has about 150 people. That's, that's when God says a hundredfold. 10 times fold, that's what that is. We went from 15 to 150. That's the favor of God. That's, that's how much God loves us and trusts us. And to us, we're not like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're like, oh, man, we got to get busy. You know, when, when you finally get that child, you're like, oh, man, I got to get it right. No more clubbing. 
No more partying. I got I got to tell the homies, you know, hey, I'm gonna be on timeout for a little bit. But man, you gotta change. You gotta mature. You got you gotta grow up. And that's exactly what God's doing with all of us right now. In First Peter one chapter two, I'm sorry, First Peter chapter one two through three, the Bible says, God the Father knew you and cho chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His His mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. You know, the people of that time, they didn't know what to expect. Jesus would preach to the disciples. Before He went to the cross, He would continue to preach about the resurrection. I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected. He was giving them expectancy but they just couldn't catch it here we are today people same situation same lord same expectancy he says i'm gonna bless you i'm gonna provide for you i'm gonna take care of you and we're like what do you mean god how are you gonna do it though when are you gonna do it god we're, we're just like the disciples we it's funny i don't know about you guys i'll be, I'll be hating on the disciples and people in the bible i'm like you're so stupid you're dumb man. you got no faith and then god shows me like that's you i'm, I'm, I'm talking i wrote about you right there Stephen. And I'm just like, all right, God, finally catch it, it hits. Because we are, man. Without repeating those words, we're all of those. When we're disobedient, when, when we're in denial, you know, when we're living in a life that is, that is away from God's will. I don't know if you realize the wrath of God that we deserve, but, but man, you know, these people did. They realized that they deserved death, that they deserved damnation, that they deserved what the, what the punishment of, of the sins were. You know, and us, sometimes we come to God. He's already forgiven us. He's given us a clean slate. He's washed us. And we still come like, hey, God, you owe me. Come on, God, you owe me this relationship. God, you owe me this job. God, you owe me this house. God, you owe me this. You don't owe us nothing. Man, he's giving me way too much. I'm like, man, God, you know how much? I don't deserve this. The more, the more, and it hurts, don't it? Like when he blesses you sometimes. <laughs> look, look, I, I, this is what, part of my testimony that I hate, but it's, 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 this is the favor of God. When I was in the world, man, I had three abortions. You know, I, I made, you know, women have three abortions of children that I should have today. I considered myself a person that lost fatherhood. I was like, I don't deserve to have kids. I, I'm, I've murdered my kids, basically, you know. And then God gives me my, like when I, when I, when my wife came and she brought that, that positive pregnancy test, like I just broke. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, man, like I buckled, my knees buckled. I was just like, why God? Like I messed up. You know, I, I, I did these horrible things. I was so selfish. I was so ignorant. And, and you're going to give me this anyways. You're going to trust me after what I've done. That's his love. He loves us that much that no matter how hard we've sinned and no matter how many failures and mistakes that we've made, he says, I know you're better than that. I know you can do good. I can trust you. And here is proof of that. And then, and then we get another daughter. And here we're trusted with, with men and women, his children, to lead them, to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. Man, I, I got so much that I'm grateful for. I've got so much that I can testify about. And that's why we do what we do, because we want you guys to experience that. You've got hurt. You've got pain. You've got so much, you know, uh, lack of confidence. And God's saying, don't, man, I've cleansed you. That's why my son Jesus died for you. That's why I've poured my Holy Spirit into you, so that you would wake up to this reality. The idols that the Thessalonians worship, it left them hopeless.
But when they put this trust in the living God, that, that bottle was hopeless, but we worshipped it. Those drugs were hopeless, but we worshipped them. The, those relationships that we knew were bad for us were hopeless, but yet we worshipped them. We chose them over God, didn't we? I'm out of here, man. I'm just going to go back to the easy life. That's why it's so hard. That's why this, this walk that we do, man, it's, it's, it drains us. It exhausts us. It fatigues us. You know, we get frustrated. This reminds me of what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, verse 12. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I remember that. I remember that life. I remember that emptiness. I remember how cold it was. I remember how dark it was. I remember how unpleasant it was. But there I was calling it home. There I was saying I was good. There I was saying, I don't, I don't need your hand. I don't need your help. Don't pray for me. I ain't going to your church. I don't need your Jesus. I remember being that. But God still pulled us in, called us citizens, and promised us eternal life. I challenge you to read Psalms 115 on your own. Because it talks about the powerlessness of idols. God, God literally shows us how all those things that we chose above him are nothing compared to him. They're powerless compared to the almighty God. Today we are children of the living God. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. And we're filled with the spirit of the living God. We are plowing and expecting of the city of the living God. Hebrews 12 verse 22 says, No, you have come to the Mount of Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. They're with us right now. You know, some of us were like, man, you know, I just, I just feel this warmth of God. That's because heaven has come down right here. We, it might be dark around us and we got this little light, but what we don't see in the spiritual is that God's true light is shining from within us. You know, you ever have somebody come up to you and say, man, there's just something about you. It seems like you're glowing right now. What, what is it about you, man, that you're always happy? You're always full of joy. You never show any fear. That right now, this feeling is the presence of God. It's the spirit of the living God that is among us. In, in verse 10 that we read, it said, And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. It's coming. We're in the end times. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, they're already installing those chips. You know, they're talking about this thing called Bitcoin. Uh, this coronavirus allegedly removed change uh, coins. You notice how all of a sudden you go to stores now and, and they're like, hey, man, you got to pay with the exact change or credit. And if you don't have exact change, then you got to pay above because we got to get ours. It, it's not a coincidence that, that the world is changing the way that it is. You know, it, life has changed the way that we shop. Life has changed the way that kids go to school. Life has changed the way we gather. Life has changed as far as the different events that are allowed to, to attend and, and to visit. But what hasn't changed is our God. What hasn't changed is His love. What hasn't changed is His mercy. What hasn't changed is His grace. We serve a God that doesn't change. He's the same that He was yesterday, today, and will be to come. This type of waiting doesn't mean just standing around waiting. It means remaining active while enduring. We are waiting the redemption of our bodies and the true righteousness. I just want to share this last portion before we get ready to close. Romans 8, 23 through 25. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait. 
eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. See, a church of expectancy is a church of vibe and victory. Come on now. You know, sometimes I, people like to post online vibes. You know, these type of vibes. Man, we got, we got that Holy Ghost vibe. Come on, somebody. We got that power vibe, man. You want to talk about a vibe? I'm, I'm in the middle of hell right now, but I'm still smiling. You want to talk about vibe? All my family members are, are, are going through the worst situations in their life, but I'm still thanking God and believing that they're going to be delivered, that they're going to be saved. You want to talk about vibe? Let's talk about God. It's a sign of a dead church when they do not carry these characteristics or morals or when they preach it without practicing it. Paul remembered how the Thessalonian church started and these characteristics that they established. They were the elect. They were born again. They were exemplary. That means that they were imitating the right people. They were enthusiastic. That They were evangelizing with passion and a burden. And what we just went over is expectancy. They were always ready for the coming of Christ. Let's all stand tonight as we prepare to close. These are characteristics, victory home, that we need to internalize. You know, as, as, as you go to sleep tonight. You know, ask God, God, give me these things. Let me know that you chose me, that I'm not just part of a crowd, that I'm not just, you know, somebody that, that you, don't, you don't have concern for. God, God knows each of us better than we know ourselves. He's so, he's so wise. He knows the details about us, every hair on our head, every step that we've taken. You know, when we try to remember things about our past, God knows it vividly. He can explain it more better than we even remember living it. Because he knows us that much. Know that, that we're an exemplary people. Your loved ones are watching you. Your siblings, your parents, your children, your friends. They're wanting to see, all right, well, let's see how they are. You know, is this just, a, is this just temporary? Is this just another thing for them? They're, they're wanting to see in you. You know, I, I, I'm blessed that I'm able to be that for a lot of my family members and even friends that, that man, we go way back in the days and we did some dumb stuff. That they're able to be like, dang, bro. We still can't believe that you're doing that. You? You? A pastor? What? I'm, I'm, I, don't know. I'm, I feel the same thing. I'm saying the same thing myself. Man, but God wants to use you as an example. He wants you to, to be enthusiastic, to be on fire, and, and to be expecting. Have expectancy. When, when, you, when you wake up tomorrow and we, we get into Bible reading, expect God to speak to you. When you get into prayer tomorrow, expect God to respond to you. And, and that, that as you're saying, God, take my fears, take my flaws, that he's really taking them from us. So tonight, we're just going to pray it out. And, and I want you guys to really meditate, man. You know, as, as we go to sleep tonight, as, as we get ready for another day, a new week, you know, we're, we're going to get everything all organized here. I know right now it looks chaotic. But we're going to get this place jumping. We're going to get this place cleaned up. And we're going to let the church know, hey, man, there's a place where you can come and worship God with us. There's a place where you can come and, and hear the word with us. Let's, let's be that, that church. Amen. Let's just all bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Yeah. Father, we're so grateful tonight, God, 
We know that you're with us in this place, Lord, and we just pray right now, my God, that, that you would help us to focus on you, my God. There's so many distractions, whether it's mentally, my God, whether it's in our heart, my Lord, or, or even just in the physical, my God. I pray that we would be a people, God, that we focus on you and your finished work at the cross, Lord. Let us know, my God, that we are a people that are a model church to the world, God. Touch us right now, Holy Spirit, moving us. We thank you, giving you all the honor and glory, and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen and amen. Let's give us some praise. Amen. Thank you.